1: Would Arnie drop everything else on his schedule to go to something that paid tribute to a legend in the game? And he absolutely would.
0: Okay, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, the first on this side of 100, as this is the 101st episode of our show. Uh, happy to welcome back Mr. Bill Hobson uh, from the Four Golfers Network to the show today. Uh, Bill, how are you?
1: I'm good. I uh, I feel honored to be the post-century mark first guest, it either means that you're heading in an upward trajectory or things are looking bleak. I don't know which one.
0: (laughs) I'm going to go with the former. I think things are going very well and I'm very happy to have you back on. And, you know, uh, listeners, you might remember Bill from uh, a few episodes ago. I think we had you on, Bill, back in October. Um, And that was when we were going to talk a little bit about your your time in golf media obviously you've been involved for many years and at the time we were uh, talking a little bit about Michigan Golf Live now are, are you still involved with NGL uh, at this point
1: I am I created Michigan Golf Live 18 years ago as a uh, as a radio program and it grew into radio and television and it, it continues along and here in my part of the world in Michigan and in the Midwest we're we have a pretty strong voice, and uh, we've, we've been involved in golf for quite some time. Uh, but having the word Michigan in the title tends to landlock us a little bit. And so uh, just a, a couple of months ago, we launched the Four Golfers Network. That's four with an E, because that's what we're frequently hollering after a shot. <laughs> and, um, and so we wanted to do something with a little bit more of a national scope to it. And so far, we've gotten off to a really encouraging start. Uh, you know, we haven't hit our 100th episode yet, so you're the savvy veteran in all of this. But oh, we have, uh, through our first uh, few weeks, we've really had some great guests come on and really good responses. So we're we're excited, we're encouraged. And uh, it's funny, last weekend was the, uh, the largest consumer golf show in America. It just happens to take place near Detroit in, in Novi, Michigan. And um, I'm accustomed to going to... Uh, events like that where people will say something about the television show and that that's really nice and that happened but i had probably a half a dozen people say to me hey how's it going with that four golfers network and i i didn't expect anybody yet to be paying attention to it so um so i'm glad you know if if we eat our vegetables and do our homework we might someday get to 100 episodes like you did
0: (laughs) well that's great that you're already being asked about it and listeners the uh the website is four golfers network Four with an E dot com. Uh, and as you alluded to, Bill, there's quite a few uh, components to Four Golfers Network. There's the website, of course, which looks great. I'm on it right now. Uh, there's also the podcast that you alluded to. And there's also, uh, I, it appears to be a TV component.
1: We have a video component because we do uh, product reviews and travel reviews that um, to, to, to try to make sense out of all of this. My television program, it's a it's a weekly half hour destination oriented program for Michigan Golf Live. and it airs on Fox Sports, Detroit in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. When we do that show, uh, it's to feature a place. We don't have time or the ability to do for broadcast purposes, all the product reviews and and everything that comes our way. So what we've done with four golfers is decided to really launch a social media video component where we can do those things. We don't, you know, they're not going to be um, as, as highly produced as our TV show is, but we still, we like to think it looks pretty good. So yeah, we have a YouTube channel for four golfers network where we're doing those kind of things like uh, showcasing clubs and uh, gadgets and technology. And, and then some places, uh, Your listeners may not know this, but you and I and and some of the others who sort of do what we do, we occasionally get invited on what's called a FAM trip. Uh, FAM, F-A-M stands for familiarity for media. And when we go on those trips, quite often um, the other people on those trips are writers. Um, When I go on them, we bring along a a couple cameras and make a, a little video feature out of it. So those are some of the things that you'll see on our video channel there within the website, and much like your uh, podcast, anybody who wants to listen to the Four Golfers Network podcast, which comes out every Monday, you can get it through iTunes or wherever you like getting podcasts. So we're, uh, like I said, we're pleased. We're not, uh, you know, we're not going to bump Adam Carolla from the Guinness Book's most downloaded <laughs> podcast in history uh, ranking, but we're we're slowly growing, and so that's that's kind of fun.
0: It's a very high production value too on on the podcasts uh, that I've listened to, and I've listened to them all, Bill. So I mean, it's it's really well done and listeners, it's obvious that Bill has been doing this for a long time and that kind that comes across within the production value. And you know, to be completely transparent, you may hear my voice on a couple of the shows. yeah, uh, I, I do help out with the toolbox segment here and there. Um, and And Bill, you know, I think uh, you and I have talked about this offline as well, but you know the the golf blog, I guess the b- golf blogosphere, I guess you could say, is pretty saturated. There's a lot of people that, that get involved, and it's just super simple to, you know, start your own website and to start writing about golf. But it's not that easy to be good at it. Uh, where do you feel that FGN fits in with the just dozens and dozens, and then I guess in some cases hundreds of blogs out there? and, and what do you feel? would be the that distinguishing characteristic of FGN that kind of makes it stand above the rest? Um, oh,
1: I appreciate that question. I would like to think that the production values are part of it. Uh, you're right. It's really easy these days to go get a WordPress template and start your own blog. Uh, it's not as easy to do it well. Uh, you do what you do well. Uh, there are probably a half dozen that I admire that I, I hope we can reach, not just their quality level but their audience levels i don't necessarily know that there are very many that are mixing both audio podcasts along with video features like uh, like we're trying to do but um it's strange world these days you know i i feel uh, a little bit of sympathy for the media managers at tournaments or equipment companies uh, those vendors and those those inventors who have a story that they want to get out Because there are a lot of, um, I don't don't want to say this too harshly, but there are a lot of um, writers or bloggers out there who have absolutely nobody paying any attention to them, but they're trying to convince those decision makers otherwise, just so they can get free gear or they can get a trip or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I can remember being on a fam trip years ago, and I won't say where it was too, but um, I did go back and tell the host about it later because that host and I have become friends, but I was assigned to play golf with this couple. And uh, they were, they were an older couple. They were super nice. And I got to talking to them out on the back nine. And I said to the gentleman, so where is it that everybody will see what you do, what you write about this place? And he, without batting an eye, without hesitating for a second says, Oh, we're not writing anything. Hmm. And I said, well, I, like, you know, I may just be the naive rookie here, but aren't we here for that very reason to provide some sort of coverage and content? He goes, yeah, yeah. But you know, who really reads that stuff and who really pays attention to it? We stopped doing that years ago. (laughs) And my wife, my wife and I go on, you know, a dozen of these trips a year. And I was appalled to be honest with you, Adam. I, I'm, um, I'm a big proponent in, 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 in at least attempting to model integrity, and if I'm not going to do what I tell you I'm going to do, then, it, then to me that's stealing. So uh, this these days it's the Wild West in the world of the blogosphere. Um, I'm proud to be able uh, to say to anybody who asks me, you can find my content. Here are some of our statistics, and by the way, we we have nothing to hide. Right. <laughs> if you need something different from us, if you're expecting a 10,000 word story, I'm not going to write it. Mm-hmm. Why? It's not because I can't, it's because nobody's going to read it. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been greatly humored and also perplexed these days by some of the requests for, Did you, will, you, will you write a story on it? <laughs> well, no, I won't, because nobody's going to read it. How about if I do a video for you and have you on our show? So delivering the content in the way that best benefits the guest, I think, is part of what we have to do. And uh, you're good at it. I, I'd like to think we're we're decent at it. There are a few that really are, um, um, and then there are a bunch of pretenders that, uh, frankly, I wish would get busted and yeah. <laughs> just go away. <laughs> I it agree. Makes with us all you. look bad. Yeah. I, well, look
0: bad. well, that's what it is. It's it's that they do make the rest of us look bad. And you know, Bill, it's funny. I. I've uh, spoken to a couple brands that will go nameless uh over the last month or so that just flat out hold a grudge against bloggers in general and you know they <laughs> in to, to the point that you rose about, you know, equipment reviews, you know, obviously we do a lot on our site. And yes, at, at you know, most of the time, the equipment that's sent my way, and I've spoken freely about this on this podcast, I get to keep. And that's certainly a perk to providing something in return to that company. But I think for those individuals or bloggers, much like the people that you just described in your story, the couple that kind of went for a free trip, uh, there are those bloggers out there that do the same with equipment. And I think some companies are picking up on that. And I can tell you that one of the companies I spoke to is one of the leading uh, original equipment manufacturers and basically said, look, if you don't have access to TrackMan, all the data in the world that you know, he, he knew I didn't have access to, he says, I'm not going to send you anything because that's what we want. And unfortunately, it sets a, uh, a precedent that Unfortunately, not everyone's going to have, and it's not just sour grapes from my point of view, but it's really, I provide a voice, and I'm sure you can say the same over at FGN, of the everyday golfer, and the everyday Mm -hmm. golfer doesn't have access to these things, and so to kind of artificially limit access to equipment that you want regular golfers to buy just seems to be a disconnect, but I understand where they're coming from.
1: Yeah, and on the other side of that, I've been asked a number of times by some of the equipment companies to provide exposure or an interview regarding a, a new release of a driver or something without ever having it in my hands. And I've said, no, thank you. <laughs> right. Um, and I'm sorry, i am calling them out. It's tailor-made. Uh, they've changed the way that they've interacted with mm-hmm. people like you and with me.
0: That's and who I, I was talking they... about, too, actually.
1: <laughs> okay, well, and I think they have fantastic equipment. But you can't call me and say or email me and say, would you have so-and-so on to talk about the M1 or the M2 until I've had a chance to put it in my hands. It's not fair to me because it asks me to um, advocate an interview and and actually conduct an interview on something that I've never touched. Well, that's ridiculous. That Mm -hmm. puts me – that makes me look uh, kind of foolish. So we've had those discussions. Uh, I've had them with them as recently as the PGA show. And I got a, a bit of a scolding email afterwards with, I, you know, I, I'm really disappointed that you've chosen this route. I'm like chosen this route, right? It, it costs you $12 to make these drivers. If you want me to review it, send me one. Mm-hmm. You're selling, you're selling them for four ninety nine. If you need me to send it back, I'll send it back. Mm-hmm. If you need me to give it away as a prize, I'll give it away as a prize, but don't ask me to publicize something that you're not willing to let me vet ahead of time. It's uh, it's, disingenuous that way and we just won't do it so um, kudos to those companies that understand that because my listeners viewers whether it's on four golfers network or michigan golf live over the years they have invested a degree of trust in the things that we recommend because we've held pretty fast and firm to that policy we're not going to ask you to touch something to purchase something until we've done it ourselves And if that shuts the door to some um, some interviews and that kind of thing, well, I guess so be it. There's plenty to talk about in golf. Uh, And I'm also not naive enough to think that a company like TaylorMade is going to go under because I didn't do a review. Right. Uh, You know, I'm not trying to to puff up our own importance. Um, I'm just saying, if if you're asking me to do it, then let's do it. uh, Let's do it upright, uh, uh, forthright and, and upfront by saying, I have this in my hands. It's really good. Or, by the way, um, and I'm not really a fan of it, uh, there is that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've done some things with a destination once where they did. They flew us out and they spent a lot of money on us, and the trip was not well executed. And the golf course where we played, which had hosted a U.S. Open um, somewhere far out west, maybe by the name of Chambers Bay, <laughs> uh, was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And um, I. I didn't need to slam them. I just said this is not not the price you should be charging these days. So I say all that because when when we do reviews on behalf of our audience, um, I need the freedom to say this is a great idea to go and purchase or they've got to fix some things before I can recommend it. Um, it doesn't make me always right, but that's, that's the assessment we give and we try not to, to shade it just because somebody sent me a, pair of shoes or something
0: like that yeah god forbid if we give our our honest opinion in some instances but uh well there's
1: a there's a lot of shills out there and i just i don't want to be one of them
0: yeah true fair enough well you know bill and obviously we, we expect and look for uh you know big things to happen on fgn and i'm happy to be a part of it even in a small way and so listeners again that website is for um and on that website to kind of segue into our next topic, Bill. Uh, there's a story that you actually shared on our podcast back in October um, that involved you and your son going to Augusta National, and you you were able to uh, you know just have one of the most incredible experiences and probably one of the best Augusta National stories that I've ever heard. And listeners, you can go, and, and the story I'm uh, talking about on their website is a master's story unlike any other, which is a fitting title, I might say. Um, and in that story, you mention uh, the late, great Arnold Palmer. Uh, And obviously this week is the Arnold Palmer Invitational over at Bay Hill. Uh, Is is this week a special week for you and uh, your family?
1: Yes, and um, it reminds me of the Byron Nelson event right after he passed away also. Um, When we lose these icons in the game, uh, and I, I hate to deliver bad news to everybody, but at some point, we're, we're all going to pass away. Right. Uh, so it's, you know, we don't want to think about it. And I don't want to be the, the guy who dwells on that right now. But the the legends in, in, in any sport or any walk of life, uh, that grandparent that we love, whatever, we're not going to be around forever. This should not be breaking news to anybody. If it is, we need to talk about Santa Claus and the Easter bunny as well. <laughs> uh, but when when those legends go, it's hard, especially that first gathering right afterwards. And I can remember. When Byron passed, thinking to myself that all of the players should be there for his widow, for Peggy. And I was livid that they weren't. It was almost as if they were waiting for him to pass as an excuse to free up a week on their calendar. Mm. And so now we move forward to this time with, uh, with Mr. Palmer. We've seen the unveiling of a just an unbelievably cool statue. I believe it's behind the 18th. And and we start to get word of players that are, are not going to be there. And some of them are the top players in the world. Um, I find that shameful. I, I mean shameful. Unless mm-hmm. you have an arm that is currently being reattached, I cannot figure out what higher priority you would have this one time than to go to Bay Hill and to take your cap off and somehow pay tribute to the king um the man opened the door to you making silly money and flying on private jets mm-hmm. it is uh it is to me it's a it's a great shame it, it's almost like um it's almost like putting yourself as something in the position of being more important than arnold and there's a, there's a commercial out it's a really good commercial It's the hashtag arnie wood and they're airing it mastercard put it out And um, it's kind of a tearjerker. I mean, it it has the potential to really stir up a lot of sentiment, a lot of emotion, and it's really well done. And I just keep thinking of the hashtag Arnie would in context of would Arnie drop everything else on his schedule to go to something that paid tribute to a legend in the game? And he absolutely would. So if your excuse is, you know, I just need a week off, well take a different week off. Right. Well, I've got a corporate deal. Good. It'll be there later. It's. Uh, it gets me really quite irritated at, mm-hmm. especially some of the top players. If you're healthy, everybody in the top fifty should have been in this field this week. Um, my experience with Arnold is, is, is probably, time-wise, probably shorter than most other people. We had a very brief. Mr. Palmer, I just I can't thank you enough for all that you mean to the game. As he was leaving Butler Cabin, and my son and I were entering Butler Cabin to have a photo taken uh, during our Thursday at Augusta last year, and we had been in Butler. We were actually uh, walking up to sit in the chairs where the green jacket is presented, because a friend of mine that works for CBS had. It said, let's go in and let's get your picture taken. I'm like, wow, okay. (laughs) Just as we were approaching those chairs, a producer came in from the side and said, gentlemen, I need you to step back for a minute. Mr. Palmer is on his way in. And and I'm like, what?
0: Right.
1: Well, he had um, decided to do a farewell interview with Jim Nance. That interview has never aired. Uh, I think it. Mm -hmm. maybe they'll use it this year, I would think. Mm -hmm. But at first... Um, we were asked to just stand quietly in the back of this very small room. I mean, the room you see on TV for Butler Cabin, it's not bigger than 30 by 30. It's tiny. Hmm. And um, I I thought we were going to be standing in the back of this room as witnesses to history. Um, and, and very politely, they said, you know, actually, they've asked if everybody else clears the room except for crew. And so we went to the TV trailer and watched this interview unfold. And then we came back, and that's when we we encountered and met Mr. Palmer on his way out of that room, and we were entering it. And um, everything that I've ever experienced or heard was true, eye contact, you know, uh, friendly, all those things for a man who does not need to be. If he blows me and my son off, it does not tarnish his legacy, and yet he doesn't do it. And I can recall being at Ryder Cup at, uh, at Hazel Team and right outside the merchandise uh, tent, they had a 10-foot tall mural for people to sign. And I watched people, this is really past the week before, I watched people climb on each other's shoulders just to get up high enough to reach a spot on that canvas mural that they could sign because everything else, every literal centimeter was filled in with people writing, and that's how much Arnie meant to the game, which brings me back around to my long rambling point of it's unforgivable for you as a tour player mm-hmm. to skip this event. Shame on you.
0: You know I agree, and I'm, I'm actually glad to, to hear you say that. And because and, I know that there's been some sentiment either on social or among other you know bloggers or writers that, well, yeah, these guys have had a busy schedule. You know, everyone knows that the the uh, the playing schedule is a little bit wonky this year for various reasons, but I completely agree with the bill. I mean, if there was ever a year to drop everything and, and show up at the tournament, it would be the first year after the great Arnold Palmer passed away. Um, I, I don't feel, you know, barring, like you had said, you know, a major medical procedure or, or something, you know, substantial and a family emergency or something of that. I could not conceive of a excuse that I would be able to implore to not play this tournament. And, and, you know, and for
1: every player, Adam, the only thing that matters from, from today until April is gearing up for the Masters. That's it. Everything else is kind of secondary and, and tertiary. So stagger your schedule accordingly and make sure that the Palmer is part of your rotation. This, it's not like he passed away two days ago. Right you've had some time to plan your schedule mm-hmm. and realize how important this is. And, and I'm sure that every player has their own unique version of why this didn't work. All those who aren't there. And, and let me just say, there are, there's a great field there, but it's missing some, some real big names. And I've just, and it's missing some names of guys who are really good guys who I think care about the game and care about the legacy of the game and certainly would, would pay respect to Mr. Palmer. But um, this is how you do it. You go there to raise funds for his hospital. This is what the event is about. Right. So here's here's my here's my uh, Solomon Solomon-like uh, compromise in the middle, because I know that all the players are wondering exactly how I would recommend <laughs> that they handle this. You know, they're they're sitting on the edge of their seats. Right. If you skip the Palmer this year, you need to write a check for a hundred grand to the hospital. Mm. That's it. There's your tribute. Yeah. And and, and at least in that way, we'll realize that you weren't thinking only of yourself.
0: That's a good point, and I think uh, many would agree with with that uh, compromise. Um, And, and, you know, honestly, uh, just a couple final comments on uh, the Invitational. Uh, Just this morning, we're recording this on a uh, Wednesday. I wish it was Friday. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Just this morning, they announced that the winner at the API will no longer receive a jacket. They will actually receive a red sweater. Uh, much oh, wow. like uh, arnold palmer wore and is best known for yeah. in many of the photos that you've seen and that, that literally just came out uh probably an hour prior to uh bill you and i sitting down to record this so uh i think uh the uh tournament officials and the the planners of this event are trying their hardest and will succeed in protecting the legacy of arnold palmer and i think this is just another along with the statue that you uh referenced earlier i think this uh Awarding of a red sweater is just a, a perfect uh, addition to the tournament.
1: Yeah, it is. I, I had not heard that, and I'm really glad to, to know that that's the case. And and maybe it's just me being cynical, and, and believe me, it's not the first time that that's happened. But my guess is that had the tour decided to make the FedEx Cup points doubled this week, that you'd see everybody there. Mm. So it's um, I understand everybody's an independent corporation, uh, they all fly at their own to their own timing. I get that. I just think you ought to be there. I'd love to be there. I wish I was there. And I, you know, not to play, just to be there, just to soak in the moment of what's what's transpiring.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Bill, you know, obviously there's a lot going on, um, and it's great to talk to someone like yourself who can speak to any of the current events that are occurring in golf these days. And one of them, of course, uh, just broke yesterday. A very big deal, and I'd like to get your, your thoughts on the uh, Muirfield Golf Club vote that, uh, well, just to kind of give a little quick context to this question, and as you well know, I'm sure, but listeners, basically, Muirfield Golf Club, one of the most famous and oldest courses in the world, located in Scotland, uh, was taken out of the rotation for the to host the British Open, or the Open Championship, depending on what side of the pond you're on, uh, back in May due to the fact that the membership voted, once again at that time, to not allow female members. Well, the RNA, Royal and Ancient Golf Club, one of golf's two governing bodies, took them out of the rotation, and a vote was held again yesterday that, even though one-fifth of the male membership still voted no, have now allowed and voted for the allowance of female members at their club uh, the immediate reaction bill, and I'd like your take on this because i've I've certainly got mixed feelings of this entire story. The immediate reaction of the rna at that point was to reinstate them back into the open rota <laughs> was that uh was that a little too little too late in your mind, or what was your reaction to hearing of that?
1: I don't understand uh, so many levels of this topic uh not not the topic that you brought up, but mm. in general with private clubs and and um, the need or the forcing of changing of their bylaws. Let me put it into a broader context. Um, There are people that are suing the Girl Scouts because they want to have boys in them. Mm. Um, I don't get it. From a private club standpoint, here's what we know. You can choose to maintain your long-held positions. You don't have to change. Correct. It doesn't mean that they have to bring you a major, okay? So if membership comes together and says, um, I'm not moving, this is how I feel, I want this just to be for us guys, I I believe that they still have the ability and the permission to do that, but that doesn't mean that culture won't punish you in some way. Absolutely. Uh, You have that prerogative. You can say, culture, um, I don't care, bring on what you have, And, and here's a great example. Uh, a few years ago in Augusta. Oh, Martha. Oh, Martha (laughs) gathered the troops and they held a protest about a mile and a half away from Augusta that featured literally dozens of females that were protesting in a muddy field that nobody really cared about. And Augusta said, and and part of their deal was we're going to boycott all the sponsors of Augusta. And so the titans of industry that are the members of Augusta said, yeah, we're good with that. Uh, By the way, this year well, I guess I'll just write a check, and we won't have sponsors.
0: Mm. <laughs>
1: and for a while, they they proceeded in that way. But eventually, even Augusta changed the way that they felt about the issue. And so you'll have Condoleezza Rice and, and a couple of other ladies that are members there. By the way, um, the the logical next question is, how many female members – satisfies those who are making this plea
0: well exactly right and not, not, to, inter- not to interject but the, I, I wrote something exactly to that point i mean I, correct me if i'm wrong bill but i think augusta when they started when they voted to allow female members in i believe 2012 since yeah. that time there's only three female yeah. members so the
1: problem's been solved
0: right 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 <laughs>
1: it's all good And let's take this into a, into a context that dates back a little bit while longer. And that would be the concept of racial integration of Mm -hmm. golf and clubs. And Shoal Creek in Alabama would be an example that was losing events because of their stance on, on race. And was, was the admission of one African-American member enough? Well, apparently. So, so, you know, Adam, it's, you know, it's, it's one of these political and cultural and philosophical questions that is, did you really win? Hmm. If, if, if one, two, three people came into a membership of a couple hundred or several hundred, did you get your way? Do you take down your placards? Do you stop the boycott? Do you, did you really win? Or let me look at it from from my I'm, I'm more of a political conservative and i know that you and i are probably on, on different ends of this i'm more of a political conservative and i'm a big believer in market dictating outcomes so or is there a possibility that maybe you should have a club that's just for women
0: mm.
1: is there a possibility that 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 would be the thing where where you could have your now listen i don't get it i don't know i i, I don't know why um, clubs continue to to uh, exist for just men. I, I'm not clear on that. I have I have absolutely no problem when I visit a private club with seeing that there are females. Why would I have a problem with females? I'm married to one. Right. Right. So I don't understand it. I know that there's that little treehouse clubhouse secret knock mentality that we just want the boys here to be boys and do that kind of thing. I guess I get that. Uh, it's not kind of how I come down, but in the end, I don't understand the forcing of these issues, as opposed to saying, um, "Hey, ladies, why don't we start our own club? And if we're going to be exclusionary, let's let's just go have our own world." And um, so, in context of in your field, uh, I guess that they met the bare minimum requirement, right? And that's really what happens. It comes mm-hmm. down to a financial pressure issue, where they say, "Well, I guess we could use the uh, revenue from another major." And how do we get that major? We change our beliefs and our standards. And um, m- maybe it's for the better. Maybe it's not. But I still don't know how those who forced it can feel victorious. Because it's not mm-hmm. as if they're now a 50-50 club. That will be the next demand, by the way. Just mm-hmm. just mark it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably in 2019, we'll start to see protests of there aren't enough of membership X category, whatever that is. Maybe religion it may be tied to gender. It may be tied to uh, sexual identity. You know, who knows? Because mm-hmm. we're in a, we're in a world of whiny protesters
0: these days. I totally agree. Um, I think you and I uh, would would find much common ground on on a lot of these topics. And you know, I for me, I've never been a fan of forced inclusion. You know, I've, right. I've never. Really seen the point to kind of the, to the to the points that you just illustrated as well, and I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, you know, I I don't see how this is a win for anyone. Um, I think the RNA's immediate reaction to just reinstate them just it makes the whole thing reek of all right. Well, we're going to give them what they want. Give us our open back. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and and I think what would have been better would have been all right. Well, we're going to put you on a probationary status or however they wanted to word it the RNA and say let's see for the next year maybe two years how that female membership grows and how they're treated i mean is there even a, a female locker room at right. mirfield you know right. i it, yeah we can you can come and play now but you know you have to come and arrive completely ready and you're going to be able to play at these certain times during the day and you're only going to be able to play with other female you know there's a lot of questions that come up and you know, it's funny, Bill, because just not too far down the road from where I'm sit- sitting right now, Butler National is still mm-hmm. one of the only, to my knowledge, all male private clubs in the United States, uh, at least in the Midwest. And there's nobody picketing outside their doors. Right. And so yeah. it's, and the reason being, I would assume, is I don't think people are beating down the doors to host a major there either. And so it just becomes, it all comes very suspect to me. And I think well, it's it's selective outrage. That's That's exactly, that's a great way to put it. It is selective outrage.
1: Well, um, that's our, that's our time. That's our world. We live in a world of selective outrage, where as long as it's not my favorite thing that you're irritated with, then I'll join you in the cause of your favorite thing. For instance, let's just say, Let me give a hypothetical example. Let's just say that somebody uh, was crazy enough to go out and publicly proclaim their preference for Arby's horsey (laughs) sauce over just the Arby's barbecue sauce. Now I know this is hypothetical because that would never happen in, in our culture, in our country, in this day and age. But if that were to happen, it would almost be like that, very, very misguided horsey sauce proponent mm-hmm. protesting the inclusion of like eight packets of Arby's sauce in every bag. And until they cut it down to six packets, he wasn't going to be pleased. Or oh, he or she, I don't want to say he. <laughs> Fair enough. And so then when Arby's publicly announced that they would limit their Arby's sauce distribution to just four packets per order, that person who is only horsey sauce would feel like they were victorious. Mm-hmm. When in reality, the RB sauce didn't go away, and nobody, nobody proclaimed their love of horsey sauce. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a hollow victory, and it's selective outrage. Now, again, hypothetical, because as we all know, there's not a soul on earth who would prefer a <laughs> horsey sauce to saw.
0: sauce. Oh, Bill, you dirty dog. <laughs> Listeners who follow me on Twitter know exactly what Bill's refer- referencing. But, uh, you know, it's it's a good example um, because, uh, you know, I don't know where this is going to go in, in, in the context of Mirfield, and I, I don't know if uh, we're not going to hear the end of, of any protests, as you mentioned. And, you know, I'm not here sit- sitting here and saying, protests shouldn't occur i mean i think history has shown that when done right. appropriately and when done you know with enough vigor and and uh you know emotion and uh i don't know just uh, focus you can change the world but i i don't know this when it's business related especially in this case with mere it just seems like all right well as i mentioned earlier not to repeat myself just give them what they want give us back our open yeah. and we're going to pretend like nothing happened
1: and these are not essential services that we're protesting. It is not as if Muirfield controls the electricity and water supply in their part of the world, and we're limiting it only to males. Right. This is this is golf. This is a privileged club, and, and it begs the question to me, and I asked the same thing regarding Augusta back when Martha and the Marthettes were protesting. Well, why do you want in so bad? If they don't want you there, what— why? Why is this now your reason to exist? And I've never really gotten a a good answer to that question. Like you're not. Uh, if somebody told me, you know what? I we're not really big fans of tall, bald guys. <laughs> uh, my greatest desire on earth would not be to go find a way to hang out with them. Right. It would be to right. move on and enjoy my life in other ways. And I just don't. I
0: don't get it. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And I, I'm sure that. There are multiple courses, perhaps even Butler National at some point. We'll, we'll have to go yeah. down this road as well. But, you know, Bill, uh, thanks for going down that, that path with me to kind of uh, transition back to FGN. And I know I uh, I know you're a busy man, and I don't want to keep you too long, but I did want to touch on just briefly uh, your most recent podcast episode uh, where you had on a panel of golf rules experts, which I thought was a great episode, by the way. Mm, and um, You know, it speaks a lot to the – The more recent, or the recent um, proposal that came from the USGA and the RNA on a a few rules changes. Uh, I think you and I could probably talk about the rules changes at length, but uh, your first reaction to hearing the proposed rule changes, and did you have a favorite among the group?
1: I was really, really pleased. Uh, The USGA has not had a great couple of years when it comes to uh, administering the rules, and partially it It tripped over its own feet in in the complications thereof. You know, Dustin Johnson, thankfully, is mostly oblivious to all that goes on around him. So he didn't get too caught up in it. But those of us who were watching what was happening to him and his fellow competitors, by the way, were coming to his defense because the rules were being very poorly administered. So I know this has all been in the works for five years or more. Um, And the fact that it involves two of the stuffiest bodies in all of golf, the USGA and the RNA, I think makes it even more impressive that they were willing to tear it down to the foundations and try to rebuild in a way that would help to encourage people to play the game instead of scare them away from it. Um, The the, the lead off guest on the, on the podcast was Thomas Pagel from the USGA. And um, I know he has spent countless hours, talking to media around the country about this, but I thought he was really fantastic in sharing um, some of the philosophy and some of the processes that went into it. And then as I brought in the other voices that you hear on that episode, um, most of them from my part of the world, because they were at the, the Novi Gulf Show, I was anticipating at least a couple to have some reservations, but everybody was thrilled that, that the subject was being addressed, and yeah, there are little things in in there that we would like to tweak one way or the other. But I would say on the whole, uh, it's a it's a solid A on the report card from where they're headed. I would guess that stroke and distance will probably be brought up again. But even if it's not, this is such a monumental step forward uh, that I'm uh, the only thing that that I'm I'm frustrated by is that they're waiting until 2019 to have it officially begin because um I, I understand why after uh, talking with thomas pagel uh but it would be it'd be really nice if they were able to uh to get things going maybe a uh, 2018 uh, for one of the reasons would be that people may be testing out the new rules this year mm-hmm. but they're not in effect yet and so technically that should negate you reporting your round on your handicap but let's not you know th- talking technically and in the weeds is what got us into this position to start with. So mm-hmm. it's all good. I'm really excited by, it. as far as my favorite or, or some of those that, that, that really um, caught my attention. I'm really glad that the time for a lost ball is being cut. I wish mm-hmm. it was cut to two minutes, but whatever, that's fine. Uh, five minutes seems like two hours when you're out there searching for your ball or somebody else's. And um, I'm also Really encouraged by the little things like, you know, leave the flag stick in if you want to leave it in. <laughs> right. I, I think that's great. Um, I, I know it sounds silly, and it's not really a time killer. And most of us, when we go out and play solo, do that anyways. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad that's in. I'm interested in the uh, the new m- procedure for taking a drop mm. uh, from as little as one inch. But that's not the part that fascinates me the most. The part that fascinates me the most about that is I learned in the course of conversation how they used to do it. I did not know that they used to throw the ball over their shoulder. yeah. And then they went to dropping it over their shoulder and then dropping it shoulder length out ahead of you. I cannot imagine a situation mm-hmm. where me tossing a ball was going to work out very well. <laughs> um, there, is, there is a little potential for some confusion with the new measurements for taking relief. Um, it's either 20 or 80 inches. If it's from a hazard, it's 80 inches. Well, that's uh, that's tough to measure. Yeah. Uh, so, are you and I now going to be asked to review the 80-inch measuring devices that come to us in the mail? <laughs> hey, there's your here's your 80-inch stick. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, it's not going to be long before somebody's debuting the world's best 80-inch measuring stick. But yeah. Um, on the whole, I was really encouraged, and I think they they really have done a fantastic job with it all. I I I, um, I went through the list. I dug through the website. By the way, the USGA's website has a really good tour of each of the proposed rules and a video illustrating them uh, all all of them. And it's it's worth taking a. It'll turn into about an hour of your time to go look through them all.
0: You know, I it's there's just so much good in the proposed changes, and you you illustrated some of the. You hit on some of the bigger ones and I agree with, Um, you know, to your point about the uh, the measurement uh, difficulty, you know, I think another rule that basically has been nicknamed unofficially the Dustin Johnson rule is the uh, did the player actually cause the ball to move? And I think the proposal and correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, is that if you are 95 percent certain that the player made that ball move, then action will be taken. My question is, well, what's the difference between ninety percent and ninety-five percent?
1: Yeah, you know, I was only ninety-three point five percent sure. So <laughs> right, you know, I just
0: uh, I think the the intent was to imply that if it was blatantly obvious to most people that the player made the ball move, then the penalty would be incurred. But why not just say that? Why why affix an yeah. arbitrary percentage on there? I I think that's gonna potentially cause some issues down the road. Hopefully not. Hopefully I'm wrong. But uh, to your point as well, you know, the difference between 20 inches to 80 inches. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I I think you're right. I think we're going to end up getting a a, a measuring stick uh, powered by TaylorMade sent to us. Or maybe we won't, based on what we said earlier. (laughs) I won't. You might, (laughs) but I won't. Well,
1: you know, part of it is that I was, and I'm glad you mentioned that about the, the ruling with the ball moving. Um, one of the things that I appreciated the most, and I'm not sure if, if Pegel said it in my conversation or in another one that I heard him on, but he said the idea is to return the benefit of the doubt to the integrity of the player, and you can spin it a whole lot of different ways. But what the USGA did to Dustin Johnson at the U.S. Open last year was call him a liar. Right. And um, and, and so that that was outrageous. Uh, he didn't deserve that and his playing partners, his opponents said no we're we're good with this this is he did the right thing and they, they you know by by extension they called them liars mm-hmm. uh, and we know that this is a game of honor. Uh, you learn so much about somebody on the golf course, whether it's in a you know a, playing with a customer setting or your friends, but you you learn a lot about their integrity, you learn a lot about their their anger management, you learn all sorts of things, and to publicly call that into question was was really distasteful, uh, at least to me. Um, And I also was encouraged to hear that they will no longer be accepting TV replay rulings Hmm. um, as part of the adjudication of a tournament. Well, good, because not every shot from every player is on camera all the time. So that's inherently unfair. Can you imagine the NFL having 13 of its 14 games covered by cameras, but the one game isn't? Yeah. Well, it, this, that's kind of the, the same corollary. So um, it looks like um, that they tackled – it looks like there was nothing off limits in this conversation. I'd love to have been a part of the, the meeting because you know and I know that somewhere in that room, a, a white-haired gentleman in a stuffed blue blazer had his face turning three shades of red <laughs> because the game that he has loved and defended forever – he had his arms folded – He was a little like Judge Smales, and he thought to himself, I am never over my dead body (laughs) Well, he lost. And he lost in this case for the better. So I'm I'm proud of whoever the the voices were that carried the day because I really, I can't imagine, between the RNA and the USGA, there had to be some loud dissenting voices. You know how
0: slowly golf changes, and this was a cataclysmic change. It was huge, so more power to him totally agree ladies and gentlemen that is mr bill hobson he is the creator editor owner of the four golfers network bill it's always a pleasure to speak with you i know that these podcasts when you and i talk could probably go on for hours and hopefully we can have you on again in the future
1: well once i wake everybody back up from my rambling we'll we'll do it again and we'll try but thanks for having me on and letting me vent a little bit and and again guys if you're not playing at the palmer send him a check